You're listening to episode 49 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. This week's topic is one that can be quite difficult to talk about. Loss and death are sometimes viewed as a taboo subject, something we shouldn't talk about, or that what we feel is something that we need to hide. I'm no stranger to death or loss. My hometown of Boonesboro, Maryland has had more deaths of young people than you can even imagine, especially for such a small town. My senior year of high school in 2005 is kind of when I felt like it kicked off. Since that point, there have been over 39 deaths that I can think of. And these are young people under the age of 35 who have died. Most of them were under the age of 25. And that's 39 people in just 14 years. And some of those people who have passed included some of my close friends, um, neighbors, my five-year-old niece, my stepbrother, my brother-in-law. And that doesn't even add in family and friends who were over the age of 50 or not living in that area, not in that town when they passed. Now, my point is, is when it comes to grief and loss, I have felt the pain. I have experienced it. And not only that, I have been the person on the other side who has been there for someone who is experiencing that. And when we are all born, we have the same fate, which is death. And grief and loss can just transpire in numerous ways, and it can be downright debilitating. And that's why I want to talk about this this topic. That's why I want to bring it to light in the podcast. I don't want to hide things just because they're hard to talk about. And this week's guest is really helping us understand what grief is, how we can heal from it, and how we can move forward. I promise we keep this conversation light, and it really is a big dose of healing. So you know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is no stranger to the podcast, but if you're tuning in for the first time, you are in for a real treat. Episodes with psychotherapist, healer, and psychic medium, Shreel Turner, remain in my top 10 list of podcast downloads time and time again. Shreel, welcome back to the show, and thank you for taking the time to dive into a topic that can be quite difficult to discuss. Thanks for having me back, Lauren. I'm starting to feel a little bit like your resident psychotherapist. (laughs) You know, I I like it. If I'm going to have a resident (laughs) psychotherapist, it's going to be you. So congratulations for scoring that spot. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, I know we're going to discuss grief and loss, and I know you're no stranger to this, and neither am I. The other day, we were having a conversation about the current conversation we're about to have. And I brought something up to you and I questioned if grief is love that is unspent, meaning is grief just love with no place to go? Because when we grieve, we just don't always grieve people who have died. Sometimes we grieve people who have, uh, who left us and they're still alive, but they're no longer part of our lives. But regardless, when we grieve someone, we feel this 
sickening pit of loss in our guts. It's this really heavy feeling in our chest. It's a lump in our throat, and sometimes it comes out in the form of tears. So I guess my first question to you is, is grief really love that has no place to go? Well, I mean, first of all, I'd like to really thank you for having the courage to dive into this subject. You know, a lot of people um, kind of avoid talking about grief and loss because it is quite a heavy subject. But I think it's important that, you know, we start the conversation and we give people the confidence to have their own conversations about grief and loss. Mm. So that's the first thing I'd like to say. But in answer to your question, um, I like to take a spiritual approach to grief and loss. And I think that for the most part, what you're saying is completely accurate. Um, The idea of losing somebody that's really close and an integral part of your life will cause a huge feeling of loss in terms of losing perhaps your identity in relation to that person or even the um, spiritual connection that you have with that person. So in effect, it is a case of um, having a huge amount of love with nowhere for it to go, but it also is literally like losing a part of yourself, which is why the pain is so tangible. Mm. What do you mean by losing a part of yourself? So like, I know they're present in your life, but how do you lose a part of yourself when, when you lose someone else? So there's, there's a huge difference in losing a, a person who's really close to you. So maybe a parent, a child, or a partner. Um, if you were to lose somebody who, you know, maybe lived down the street that you maybe said hi to in the, you know, on the odd day, it would be a very different sense of loss. Mm. And the reason is that those that are really close to us, first of all, we have a spiritual connection. So there's an intertwining of spirits in terms of that relationship. Okay. Mm. Remember, these are the people that when they're in a complete, you know, different country, sometimes you'll have a gut feeling about them or, you know, you'll, you'll dream about them. So it demonstrates that there's a really close connection. But it also means that when we are in relationship with certain people, they help us to form our, our identity. So you might be the mother of somebody that passes. It almost feels as if you lose part of your identity in terms of being a mother. If you were to lose your spouse, then it feels like you are no longer somebody's husband or wife. So you lose not only that part of you that is spiritually intertwined with that person in relationship, but you also lose a part of your identity in relation to that person. Mm. So that's how we lose a part of ourselves. And I think to add on to this is we don't really even have to really know the person to lose that part of identity. A few weeks ago, um, I was in Virginia and it was the morning before I was going to drop my daughter Skylar off at her first week long overnight camp. And that morning I got on Twitter and I ran, I read that Cameron Boyce, who was a Disney channel star for those who don't know who he is. He was on shows like bunked and, um, Oh, I don't remember the other ones, like the descendant movies. If you have young kids, you probably know what those are, but he had been a a Disney channel star for at least over five years. And he was only, I believe 20 years old and he passed away in his sleep due to a seizure. And my daughter, Skylar, who's nine, I mean, when I told her this, she just took it to heart 
so deeply. And she got more upset than I even expected that she would. And when we were in the car, she's on TikTok, which is a a video platform where you make different movies. And she was like, I'm going to make him a tribute video. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And she just kept saying over and over again, how sad it was that, that he had passed. And I, you know, I sat there, I was like, okay, well, let's try and think about all the cool things that he accomplished in his life. Like he started movies and shows and she added on, yeah, and he could do a backflip. <laughs> it's like, right. Like how cool <laughs> he could do a backflip. But then she said something that just really hit me. And she said, he was part of my childhood. And I didn't think of that in the same way. You know, to me, it was just like, oh, that poor Disney Channel star might not ever truly think of him again unless I see him in a show, right? Like it's not going to affect me, but it really affected her. So can we still grieve people who we didn't know that well? Well, and and I think this um, speaks to the fact that as long as you have a connection, then you're going to experience loss because there's now a gap in Skylar's life where this guy, you know, used to sit in terms of entertaining her. There would have been lots of emotional connections. So he would have played characters that perhaps made her laugh or made her cry. So there's loss. There's a gap in her life that she now has the opportunity to mourn. And I think that what we need to look at in terms of grief and loss is not whether we're allowed to mourn or grieve somebody, just how we should do it mm-hmm. and the, the way in which we would like to do it. Right. So it's never a question of, you know, there's no right or wrong. So if we have, you know, an actor or a singer or somebody that was really, you know, crucial to your life. So maybe their songs formed part of your um, adolescent, you know, um, theme tunes or whatever. Of course, if they pass, you're going to feel something because there was a connection there. Mm. So it's not there's no right or wrong in terms of who you should or shouldn't mourn or grieve. It's really a case of, do we allow people to grieve who they want to grieve? And do we allow people to grieve in the way that best suits them? Mm. You know, so, and you'll notice this on social media, that there's often a huge outcry of, or outpouring of emotion when certain people die. And it doesn't have to be a celebrity. It could just be somebody from the community or people, you know, somebody that went to school with people. And you'll see people coming together, paying their respects and telling their little stories. And I think that this is just so indicative of people having the freedom to grieve in a way that best suits them. Mm. You know, there's that book um, by Elizabeth Ross and it outlines that there are five stages of grief. And the premise is, is that the five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are really part of a framework that makes up our learning to live with the person that we've lost. Do you really think that we go through each stage? (laughs) Without wanting to be controversial. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. So, you know, it's a great book. It helps lots of people. Personally, I don't believe that anything that we do in life is as orderly and nicely packaged as that, if Mm. only it were that simple, Mm. right? So whether we're experiencing grief, loss, growth, change, we tend to operate in a zigzag pattern, okay? So some people, their immediate response to grief is obviously going to be denial. Other people, it might be anger. 
you know, and some people might stay in one phase for a really long time and skip a couple of phases and find themselves in the final phase. Everybody is very individual, right? We all have our own way of processing things and looking at things. But I, I would be really hard pressed to say that there is a really nice and tidy, orderly way to grieve or mourn the loss of somebody. And I'd also say that you can't put a time frame on it, right? Mm. You can't decide how long it's going to take one person or another person. You also can't decide um, at which stage people are going to shift into the next stage because every time there's grief or loss, there are a ton of other aspects that are added into that, you know? So there's the admin aspect. There's the family dynamic that changes or the friendship dynamic that changes, right? There's lots of other things that we have to take into consideration. So it's never as straightforward. And while a framework is helpful to a lot of people, I think we need to be a little bit mindful of dictating to people what they should be doing and how they should move through the process of grief. Yeah, because I feel like, um, you know, as someone who has been terminally ill for a long time, while you may be in denial at the beginning that they have this disease or whatever, um, their death, if they've been struggling for three or four years, may not be a, a big surprise to you versus someone who, you know, died in their sleep and was seemingly completely healthy um, and just, you know, wake up one day and, and they were gone. So there, yeah. you may not hit that same denial step. Like that might not be step one for everyone, for someone who's had that term, you know, a time to come to terms with, we're likely going to lose this person. They've been ill versus, oh my goodness, so-and-so just got in a car accident. I never saw this coming. Right. And also let's take into consideration the fact that depending on your relationship with the person at that time, it may not be a case of um, denial that you that you first go into. It may just be um, regret because you weren't on great terms when that person passed. You know, there's a multitude of emotions that come into play and it really depends on lots of different things. But if somebody was, um, you know, has, has passed completely accidentally out of the blue, um, we then look at things like PTSD before we can even get to the place of looking at the grief or, you know, the mourning process because somebody's now actually gone into PTSD and developed, you know, panic disorders and high levels of anxiety. So, you know, it really depends on the relationship and the individual and what was expected or how prominent they were in their life at that time. There are so many factors to, um, to look at that I don't think we can ever, you know, just sort of like dictate what people should or shouldn't do or how they should respond. And I also think that one of the things that we need to look at is the ways in which people decide to grieve somebody. Because it's such a personal experience, not everybody wants to demonstrate their grief. Mm. You know, some people say, for example, I'm a great crier. Anybody that knows me, my emotions tend to come out, you know, very easily. If I'm really happy, I laugh a lot. If I'm really sad, I cry a lot. There are other people who don't demonstrate their emotions in that way. And it doesn't mean that they're not feeling them. They may choose to write something or, you know, go away and spend time in nature, whatever it is. So we can't even really assess whether people are grieving correctly or not. How do we, I feel like a lot of people in my life in particular have almost absorbed a lot of, 
I don't want to say blame or fault, but like, it's almost as if they, they sing like their shoulda, coulda, woulda's, right? Like recently a friend's brother passed away and she didn't know that he had struggled with a drug addiction. So the first thing she goes to is if, if I only knew, if I only would have, right. So like they, they start going into this and they, it's like this remorse that they have of what they didn't do. How can you move past that? Because I feel like that is, that's something that really stands with people for a long time yeah I mean there are a couple of techniques that people can use and the first is to know that you can't be responsible for another person's actions also you can't always be responsible for the direction of somebody's life Mm. right we all have our own journey to take we all have our own destiny and yes sometimes people do cut their lives short um But in other cases, sometimes it's just the way somebody's life is supposed to roll out. And it sounds really harsh in the moment. But what we need to do is really get to that place very quickly of absolving ourselves of all responsibility for another person's life. So unless you literally took somebody's life, you cannot be responsible for somebody losing their life. Mm. You know, so that's the first thing. We can't control people. We can't manage them. We can't make decisions for them. All we can do is love them and trust that they're making the best decisions for their life. And if people aren't in a place where, so for example, for something like addiction or other really unhelpful habits that can result in somebody losing their life, if people are in a place where they want to fight for their life, you can't do that for them. Right. You know, and the sooner we get to that place of knowing that you can't want for somebody something more than they want for themselves then we can you know quite quickly step into a position of I loved them the best way that I could I was there for them in the best way possible you know I did the best I could with what I had Mm. you know and that includes knowledge ability you know understanding and and all of that so the first thing is to absolve yourself of responsibility particularly with adults where people are making decisions for their lives every day that literally has nothing to do with anybody else. Yeah. You know, you know that the quote that goes around all the time, and it's time heals all wounds. Does grief really ever end or does it just change? I mean, I believe it transforms just like most other uh, major things in life. So, you know, I feel that Obviously, time is the master and it gives us the ability to forget the pain and move into remembering the happy times. Um, It allows us to get past the emotional wounding or the disconnection that happens as a result of loss. And it also gives us the ability to really look at ourselves because one of the biggest things that happens when we lose somebody very close, particularly close to us, is that it makes us kind of look at ourselves and look at, okay, what could we have done differently in our relationship with that person? Um, Why is this loss having the impact that it's having? What am I actually feeling? And is there anything that I might need to work on in terms of myself so that I can continue through life and find a way of returning to being happy, even though I've experienced this terrible thing And how do I find a way to, you know, have a new normal, knowing that I've experienced this loss and I now have to go on with my life? Mm. 
I feel like finding the new normal can be really difficult. It can, but do you know what? It's also really exciting because it opens your life up to new possibilities. Because the first thing is, we never have to forget these people that we've Mm -hmm. lost. We don't ever have to get stuck in the pain of losing them or even the pain of what was happening before we lost them. You know, so if somebody was in long term illness or was struggling with mental health or addiction, then there would have been a lot of pain in the run up to their loss. We can now absolve ourselves of all of that pain and we can then move forward having this person framed in our lives in a really positive way. So we can get to the, you know, remember the good days when we did X, Y and Z and then find a way to move forward with the memories of this person or even having them still be alive in certain frames of our life. You know, so if you're going to look back on a birthday party or a family celebration, just remembering them at their best in that time helps you to actually move forward and develop a new normal. So, of course, it's going to be difficult. And of course, there's going to be lots of challenges in terms of emotions and, you know, how you approach life. But the opportunity to look at a new way of living, to move into, um, you know, developing new belief systems and new strategies for life is really exciting at the same time. So if someone's listening right now and they're feeling that deep, heavy pain of loss and grief, you know, maybe it's fresh and new to them, or maybe they've been carrying it around with them for years. How do they really begin to heal? And not just like when someone's like, oh, you need healing. And they maybe mean it in like a surface level, but I'm talking like that deep level of healing. Like how does mm-hmm. someone really begin to heal this, this wound? I mean, my first step is to always just accept what you're feeling and what you're going through, and validate it. Don't let anybody minimize it. Don't let anybody tell you that you're wrong, or it's not necessary, or that you're doing too much. The first thing is to accept it and fully embrace all of the emotions, everything that you're feeling, and validate it, because perception is reality. So -hmm. that's the first thing. And then the next thing is to find outlets that are healthy for your emotions, So that could be, I mean, one of my favorites is journaling. So there'll be days when you have so much to write about how you feel, about the way you see things, about the ways in which, um, you know, people are dealing with you or the ways in which you're interacting with people as a result. And then other days you'll feel completely numb and there'll be nothing. You might also um, find somebody that you can speak to or people that you can engage with who have either been through a similar situation or are even going through the loss with you, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can have healthy conversations where you're free to, you know, cry, but also laugh, joke, go through the whole range of emotions when remembering your loved one, then I think that that's always really helpful. But the key thing is to, first of all, accept what you're going through and validate it as being real, And the second thing is to find healthy ways to allow yourself to express those emotions. I feel like on, oh man, so many times I find myself doing this and I, and I am someone who I think does very well as a pillar for someone else when, when they're grieving or really going through any phase of life. Like I'm, I'm a pretty strong person to have around for someone else, but I do find myself sometimes 
if I am around someone um, who maybe has lost a child or mm-hmm. a sibling or just lost a parent, it's like hard to share happy things around them because it's almost like you don't want to feel like you're rubbing it in their face. So if someone's just lost a child, it's like, do I share something that happened with my child? Does that make them feel bad? Like, I feel like that can be, I don't know, a a, a tight rope to walk on when you're not the person who is experiencing that grief. So how, like from another person's perspective, like what, what can we do as someone who's not grieving to help those around us who are? So, I mean, if I just speak about my own experience, when I lost my husband, it was obviously a huge devastation. Um, it was in a car accident. It was very unexpected. And there were lots of aspects to his death that came out. You know, people always say that, you know, when someone dies, then all of the things come out of the, the woodwork or whatever. Right. And I would always encourage people to just be themselves when they came around me because you're, you're still human, right? And of course, there's intense emotion happening. But the people that actually help you the most are the people that turn up being themselves. Because if you want to be around people, you want to be around them because of who they are. What I would say, though, is that you do have to have some compassion for the times when you might be sat watching a movie with somebody and they start crying for no reason. Yeah. And they're just like, and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> Whoa, you okay? what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they cried for Maybe there was a trigger there yeah. or something. So, you know, I would go through huge phases of having massive outbursts, which were particularly unnecessary and sometimes unprofessional, um, at the smallest opportunity to being the complete opposite and just like, you know, falling out in, you know, belly laughing at memories of things that he had done or that we'd experienced together. Right. So just know that people, yes, they might be quite, you know, tender. There'll be lots of intense emotion. But you know what? When you are in that really intense state of grief and loss, you really want people to treat you as normal. And me, speaking from my experience, I don't want people to be really careful around me. The more normal people are and the more they are themselves, the easier it is actually to try and adjust and get back to living some kind of normal life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, it's really horrible because it will almost make you feel like a bit of a leper when you know that everyone around you is being really awkward and, you know, being very careful with you. And it's almost like, I get it, but, you know, I'm still here. I still have a life to live. And most people, if they're uncomfortable, have the ability to say, I actually don't want to speak about this right now. Mm. Yeah, this is not a good time. And and that's that's like a power. If you're the one who's grieving, you have to own that and and use your voice about about it. And having spoken to, I mean, apart from my experience and your experience, having spoken to lots of people, I mean, over 100 people now, thanks to you know, our recent campaign, um, who have experienced grief and loss, you know, you you get to a place where you understand that people just want to be heard, Mm. right? They want the freedom to cry if they want to cry or laugh if they want to laugh without any judgment, but just be heard, you know, and just say, I'm a little bit worried, um, you know, was I there enough for this person before they passed? 
are they okay now that they've passed? Do you know what I mean? People just want to be heard. They just want to have their experience acknowledged and just know that, you know, they're feeling this pain and then they can move on with it. And the worst possible thing is you'll see lots of cases where when people are denied the ability to just grieve and be normal, it starts to play out in very strange scenarios. So you might see somebody who takes the death of somebody who's quite distant to them really personally. And it'll be like, why is this person taking over, do you know what I mean, this whole scenario? Probably because they weren't allowed to mourn somebody that was very close to them. Right. Yeah. Right. And you've actually pointed that out to me because I've, I've mentioned, um, man, I think we were close to like 40 people and from my small town hometown who have died young deaths. And Mm -hmm. I, we've had this conversation before. I'm like, you know, so-and-so wasn't very close with that person. Like it doesn't, doesn't make sense as to like, why, why they're so hurt. And you had brought that you know, maybe they weren't allowed to grieve or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they didn't fully grieve the, the person that was similar. And that really opened my eyes to a lot of just, well, first, first, I think I had to own that I'm, it's not my place to say how someone should grieve, right? Like yeah. I'm, I kind of had to take a step back and be like, okay, that's none of my business of how someone else is feeling, regardless of my perception of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think sometimes it's, it can be hurtful when you're the person that's grieving and someone else is almost trying to like take the spotlight with their grief. And you're like, whoa, 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 that was my family. Like, did you really know that? You know what I mean? Like it, it it can feel in that moment, like you don't, you're, you're not feeling it as hard as I'm feeling it, or you don't really know what we lost. Like there can almost be like, I guess that's where the anger comes in. Right. Of, of looking outwards at someone else and how they're grieving too. Yeah, and, and I think that this is where it can get a little bit complicated and it can be difficult um, because, again, you just don't know how people grieve. Mm. And you also don't know um, what the dynamics are that are going on. You know, there are plenty of awkward situations where people turn up at funerals that shouldn't have been there mm-hmm. um, or, you know, people openly mourn and grieve and do all sorts of things where it's like they seem to be jumping on a bandwagon. And there's, you know, there's a huge number of um, challenging situations that happen as a result of grief. I think what we need to do is just focus on ourselves in that moment and maybe our immediate family who we know that we can actually help and try our best not to um, turn all of those feelings, you know, the anger, the rage, the disappointment or, you know, the whatever is going on externally let's not let's try not to turn it outside because unfortunately we can't control other people and we can't control how people react to you know certain situations and circumstances and at the end of the day some people just are more emotional other people will see somebody pass and see their own you know morbidity in that person passing and that could be the trigger sometimes people are dealing with things in private and that's affecting them. You know, people have huge regrets. There are lots of things going on. And I think that what happens when we go through grief and loss is we actually are given a huge opportunity to actually go inwards and look at what is happening with us and how that loss or that grief can actually help us to heal some of the things that are going on within us. I mean, 
when my husband died, I took it as an opportunity to really figure out how to, you know, heal my life and also give my children the tools to move through that process in their own way and heal themselves in a way that they felt was suitable. Like, Mm. I really didn't feel it was my position to tell them how to mourn for his passing. Right. So I think that, you know, and, and if I'm being honest, like, we all mourned in different ways. You know, we all had different ways of celebrating him. And I was definitely the bigger mess, right? Mm. I definitely had a lot more work to do than they did. But most of that was based on my issues as opposed to his passing. Mm. Yeah, really turning that inwards. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but um, I said that sometimes we can grieve people who are still alive. Do you think that that can be comparable? Um, Maybe it is a parent whose child has chosen to no longer have contact with them. Um, Or maybe it is a relationship, a a marriage where you just truly thought you were going to be with that person for the rest of your life and boom, they've left you. Um, Or, you know, maybe it's a friend who was your best friend and they betrayed you and now you no longer speak we feel that that hurt. And I, it, I feel like that hurt can be just as deep as someone who has physically passed from this world. Are they comparable? Is that, is that a comparable loss? I mean, I think it's definitely a comparable loss. But again, it comes down to, it comes down to a couple of things. One, whose choice it was to leave. Mm. You know, so if you're not ready for somebody to leave your life and they exit, without a trace and you can't contact them, of course, that is a really powerful loss. And once again, it comes down to what that person meant for your life, how they affected your identity. So therefore, what have you lost in losing this person? And what does their loss or them taking themselves away from you mean about you? So if it's the case of a best friend, and this might seem to be the most trivial thing, But it doesn't mean that you're a bad person, that you're a bad friend. Nobody wants to feel they're a bad person or a bad friend, right? Does it mean that the things that you shared with that friend can no longer exist in your life? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So when we mourn the loss or the gap, we're mourning way more than a person no longer being in our day-to-day lives. We're mourning what that means to us. We're mourning part of our identity. We're mourning the fact that they chose to leave without our acceptance, you know, and then we're mourning, what does that mean about us? So it's definitely comparable. And even though it's slightly different, I think even in the case of something like divorce, that can be one of the most traumatic things that anybody goes through, you Mm -hmm. know, and I've heard people say that a divorce was worse than death, Mm. right? Because now you know that that person has chosen to leave your life and move on with somebody else in another life. And the thing is, with death, you get closure, Mm. right? So when somebody has chosen to leave you, it feels like rejection, you're not good enough, all of those things um, start to come up. And then they continue to live their life somewhere else, with someone else. It's very difficult difficult to get the closure that you might need. So while it's not the same, it can still be as big a loss for a lot of people. Yeah, I guess that that's completely true because if if you are mourning a relationship loss of some sort, 
I feel like worth really does come up probably the biggest, you know, like I wasn't enough for them. I I wasn't, why wasn't I worth fighting for? Why wasn't like all these questions like really come inward? Um, as we know, like those are things that you have to, to work on, but man, they really do pull that up. Like, and I, and I've seen, and I've, I've experienced, you know, a relationship loss too. And in that sense of losing a person, but I, I maybe didn't fall apart in ways that I've seen other people fall apart. Um, and I, I just know how debilitating that can be. Let's talk about another type of loss real quick. When a, a woman has a loss of a, a, like a miscarriage, you maybe have never met that child, but clearly they had a connection with it. Sometimes that can be really difficult, I think, for men to understand um, Mm -hmm. why she's so emotional, why she's so upset. Like we, we never met this, this baby, you know, like, so it was never part of our lives. What is it? What is it that a a mother's feeling when she's never met her child and lost it? Yeah. I mean, okay. So it's definitely the same concept, right? It's what having a baby meant to you. Mm. It's that connection that you've already developed because the baby is obviously growing inside of you. You are spiritually intertwined, which means that a part of you has to go with the spirit that leaves. But when you say that men can't always understand it, I think it's important to point out that men and women do demonstrate emotion differently. Mm. And it's not because the baby isn't going inside the man that the man doesn't have the same experience of loss or grief. What it is, it's just a perspective, Mm. okay? So a man will be feeling that loss as much as a woman if he had the same beliefs and expectations as that woman. Ah. So I've seen cases where the man is actually more devastated than the woman because of what that child meant to him Mm. and his expectations. So if we were just very quickly to look look at an example of maybe a man thought that he was infertile, or hadn't been able to have children to a certain point. He meets somebody, she might be younger, less concerned, they get pregnant, and then she loses the baby. It will be more devastating for that man than it would be for this woman, who probably thinks to herself, oh, I'll get pregnant again really easily. Right, I can see that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, again, with grief and loss, it's all about your beliefs about your identity in relation to what you're losing. It's all about your expectation of what, this person or this relationship will do for your life, Mm. you know? I mean, not to move away from the subject too far, but I have worked with people who have had great material loss and have literally almost given up on life. I mean, in desperately suicidal mode for a very long period of time because they've lost their house, their car, their job, all of their money because of what that means to them. Mm. even though we can obviously you know look at people and judge and say oh they're too materialistic and all the rest of it depending on that person's journey where they've come from and what it meant to them to accrue those material assets to lose them for example in you know the depression or the market crash is absolutely devastating right do you know what I mean because loss and grief is all about what that actually means to you what your beliefs are in relation to what you're losing and what your expectations are of what that does for your life. And it's quite sad to say, but in a lot of cases, when parents lose children or when people lose their spouse or partner, 
they now feel that they lose part of their status mm. because now you're maybe you're no longer a mother, right? right. Or now you're no longer a husband or a wife. Right. So it's not just that this person has passed on. I now have lost this with that person. That person yeah. leaving has taken all of this with them. So in the case of miscarriage for the mum, what she's feeling is, it's the expectation of, I get to be a mother. I get to rear another life. I get to meet this person when they're born. You know, And you're already feeling all of the hormonal connection, the spiritual connection. And then to have that taken away against your will, right? So it's not with your blessing, then it feels devastating because the expectation will never be realized. Yeah. So yeah. that is what is really painful. It's that this pregnancy now means this for me and my life, right? Or me and my partner or me and my family. Um, and you start, the minute we know that something is happening in our lives, we start to paint the picture, you know, the imagination goes wild, the mind wanders off to all of the dreams and the fantasies and everything come true. And it's not always good or bad, but it's the letdown of those things no longer being able to happen. Right. That's what part of the experience is. And that is what we tend to mourn just as much as the, you know, the physicality of a person. It's the hopes and the what could have been. And do you know what I mean? They're the things that we kind of lose just as much. Right. Now, Shereel, for those listening who who may not know, you recently um, did a, a little experiment and um, you offered free sessions to women um, based around healing, either energy healing or by using your psychic medium gifts. And you were able to connect a lot of people with past loved ones. Is there a particular message revolving around spirit from the other side that tends to come up when people are grieving, like they don't want us to feel this way or, or anything like that? I think the strongest and most powerful message is one of forgiveness. Mm. Because I think that we, because we're still here in the physical, we're very caught up in all of the um, emotions and the thoughts and the memories and, you know, of what we think we did or what we think the other person did. Once we transition into spirit, those things no longer exist, right? Because so... If somebody um, passed and they were really ill or really old or something like that, they are renewed when they pass. So they become their healthiest, best self. And the message that was most common throughout, um, I'd say the majority of the readings, was one of hope, one of love, and one of forgiveness. So there's usually a huge outpouring of love, and it's the most intense love that you'll ever feel but always forgiveness. And it's always forgiveness in the case of, oh, don't be so silly. Like I could never be angry with you or, right. you know, because people always say, I didn't make it to the hospital on time or my last conversation was really bad or, you know, I missed I your phone call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and most people are really struggling with, do they forgive me? You know, mm. and immediately it's just like real joy, love, and huge, huge forgiveness. Um, and forgiveness to the point of, it's almost like there's nothing to forgive from the other side. Mm. It's just letting people know that are still here. There's nothing for you to worry about. I don't even have to forgive you because it's fine. Right? Mm. So, right. Um, and I think that from a perspective of healing, people need to hear that. They need to know that their loved one 
just sends them pure love. Yeah. You know, that there's no resentment. I mean, a couple of people, um, you know, a couple of sessions that we had, there were people who were still angry because there was no justice around mm. their passing. Right. You know, or they felt like, um, you know, that there had been some things added on that, you know, weren't their responsibility and that type of thing. Right. But for the most part, it's like a huge outpouring of love um, and forgiveness is the thing that heals almost instantly. Mm. And a lot of it, like forget forgiving, let's say like you couldn't make it to the hospital in time, you couldn't make the funeral, whatever it is, like that's really just forgiving yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. And knowing that, I mean, I think for a lot of people, because obviously many people were skeptical, right? So the first thing is that, you know, um, they'll, they'll come for a session like, well, I'm not sure what to expect and hopefully you can do this. And then the minute they actually connect with their loved one, everything changes for them because mm-hmm. it's almost the knowing that they have transitioned, that they are happy, they are okay, and that they are still present in our lives. And this is why grief and loss is so important in terms of understanding that it's just as much about us as it is about the person that's passed. Because if we allow them, they will remain in contact with us. You Mm -hmm. know, if we allow them to just be present in our lives, they will be. And there are lots of signs that our loved ones are still around. And some people don't like to have these signs, whereas other people really welcome them. But most of the time, you know, it's really quite a pleasant feeling to know that your loved one has transitioned really, um, you know, in a positive way and they're still present in our lives. Yeah. I am one of those who definitely loves all the signs. You actually, in one of the sessions, um, (laughs) one uh, tapping on my window, we figured out who that was. And I, I was one of those people who just like completely broke down and started crying because it it wasn't like a bad thing. Like I wasn't upset by it, but it just brought me a lot of comfort knowing that that person yeah. is still with me in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely your sessions are, are always healing. I don't know a single person who hasn't just walked away, just like mind blown by them. Um, so always, <laughs> always out here doing the good work and spreading the light. If you have a message for someone who may be listening today and they're grieving, um, what would you say to them? I tell them to get in touch with either yourself or me um, and just maybe have a conversation, right? Because sometimes it helps if they're really stuck and they don't know how to move forward, then perhaps they don't have anyone around them that they feel like they can speak to. Um, And the, the worst thing that can happen is that you feel lonely or isolated in your grief. And that is one of the things that makes grief so difficult, you know, is that people feel very alone. Um, and they don't have a network to share their emotions or their feelings with, you know, mm. and, and, and it doesn't matter how long ago somebody passed, right? right? I know people that 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later feel the same as they did on the day the person passed because mm. they haven't had the opportunity to really move through the emotions and find a new normal. So I would say get in touch with um, Lauren, or myself, um, and just have a conversation with somebody and just yeah. let them know how you're feeling. Um, for our audience, will you let people know where they can get in touch with you? Yes. Um, I think the best way is to go to shereel.com, 
which is S-H-E-R-I-L-E.com. And you can message me there. Otherwise, um, you may find me on Facebook, um, which I think is <laughs> Shereel Turner. Well, you'll find my profile on Facebook. It might take a bit longer for me to get back to you because I'm not really the most prolific Facebook user. <laughs> go to the website. Just yeah, go to Shereel.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That way, 24 hours, email, you know, Skype session and we're good. So, yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what I'd recommend. Well, Shereel, you always bring such depth and amazing insight into our conversations. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I'm just so happy that I can be of help. A big thank you to Shereel again for joining me. I think she's been a guest four times now. I don't know. Shereel and I just work together in various ways daily. No, no joke. She is as much as a mentor as she is a friend to me. I really value her expertise and we easily converse, which is why I've brought her back on the show so much. I have listed Shereel's website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to podcast updates. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at mindbizlife. I share on Instagram nearly daily. (laughs) Um, I share inspiration tools and tips to help you fuel your life. Got to go over there to get your dose of that. Um, And really, I just value you guys for sticking with me this week on, you know, a conversation that can sometimes not feel as good as some of our other conversations, but with everything, including life, there is a beginning and an end and finding peace, healing, and solitude is really important when we face those moments in life. I'll see you back here next week for another episode, but until then, remember every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.